With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Arn here on Westwood One. I know Arn and my family really appreciate all of your support. And we thank you for what you're doing over at adfreeshows.com. I got to tell you, between the podcast, doing bonus content for ad free, and now I'm sure you've heard the news, Arn just inked a brand new two year deal with AEW. He's been busier than ever during the pandemic. But all of a sudden, I'm busier than ever before helping listeners just like you save more money than they ever thought possible. Don't take my word for it. Just ask Craig in Wisconsin. He recently saved some money at SaveWithConrad.com, left us a five-star review, and he wrote this. The process of refinancing my home was as easy as it could be. Jimmy and the rest of the team were in constant communication with me, and I was never left wondering what my next steps would be. I shaved 13 years off of my loan. 13 years! I received a better rate and saved $110,000 over the life of the loan. I just want to say to Conrad and the entire crew, I love you. Listen, this is a real review. Craig is going to save more than $110,000, and you can do this too. And listen, it's not fancy to figure out how we're doing it. We reduced his term from 30 years. He was just two years into a 30-year loan, so he has 28 left. We found a way to make the payments affordable on a 15-year loan. In the process, we cut 13 years worth of unnecessary house payments off. Run the numbers yourself right now. Throw it in your calculator. You know you've got one. 13 years times 12 monthly payments a year. That's 156 payments. Now, what's your payment? You probably know it to the penny. He's going to save 110 grand. Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. But we can even help families with credit scores in the 500s. So what are you waiting for? Let us run the numbers. Find out how much money you can save for free right now at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention you get to skip your next two house payments? If you haven't already, you can skip your June and your July payment. You're done until August 1st. And oh, by the way, we're licensed in more than 40 states. So why wouldn't you do this? Get a quick quote right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn right here on Westwood One. That means it must be Tuesday, and it means that the founder of the Four Horsemen, the Hall of Famer himself, Double A, the Enforcer, Arn Anderson is with us. Arn, how are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. It's Tuesday, isn't it? It is Tuesday. And you know what that means? It means it's time to walk back down memory lane with Arn Anderson today. We're not going too far back. We're going to money in the bank 2015. This one happened on June 14th, 2015 at nationwide arena in Columbus, Ohio. It's a sellout crowd, 13,000 fans on hand, 12,000 of those were paying. Uh, Columbus, Ohio is not necessarily a town we talk about a lot. It feels like we talk about Cleveland and other big markets, but Columbus was a big market for wrestling. And I mean, it's evident here with the 2015 sellout, right? Yes, sir. A lot of history. If you go back and check the history, uh, Columbus, 
going back to even when when Ole was in charge of Georgia Championship Wrestling and you know the tours with Tommy Rich and and Buzz Sawyer and all those guys on top you go all the way back there that I can account for those have always been strong markets you know in Ohio and uh, Columbus to this day a lot of great wrestling fans in Columbus they really support wrestling and they come out in droves and it you know it's a good deal for for everybody involved of course, we're coming off the elimination chamber, which we've covered in the archives. You can check that out over at adfreeshows.com. Ryback would win the intercontinental title there over Dolph Ziggler and Dean Ambrose would beat WWE champion Seth Rollins by DQ in the main event. And that sets up a rematch at money in the bank and a ladder match here. Of course, this is a battle of two former shield members and back when they were together, of course, Roman reigns rounded out the group. If you were to have been a betting man, when the shield first debuted, who would you have bet would be the biggest breakout star of the trio? God, you know, probably like everyone else, the first glance at the trio, the very first time I saw him, you go, it's kind of hard to not look at Roman Reigns and go, damn, what a look. Right. And then you saw him move and you went, what an athlete. And the fact that they had him positioned as the killer, he would get plugged in and shut everything down. So everything was in place. But then you would start, I I would start to look at uh, the other two at Ambrose and what he brought to the table. My nickname for him to this day is crazy man, because you never knew what that guy was going to do. And I'm sure his opponent never knew. And he never knew. Is what made it so unique. He was such a diversified, all over the place type worker. And I mean that in a positive sense. He would just go out and just keep coming and just keep doing things. And, you know, the guys that could keep up with with him ended up having a hell of a match, whether it was in six-man form or singles or tags or whatever. Yeah, and, and you know what? Seth is that guy that, that can put the battle plan together. He is a very smart, he's a wrestler's wrestler. He, he thinks in terms of the big picture, the whole picture. How do I plug, you know, myself in at the right times? And, and what, what do those guys on the other side, what do they bring to the table and how to feature that? I mean, he is an architect. If he's going to sit down and put a match together, he's going to cover all the little things, which are the big things. And, it's just like each one brought something different. You know, Roman was was the steamroller. Ambrose, you didn't know what to expect. He was going to just come out of nowhere with some excitement that you didn't see coming. And the one that was in there just regulating the flow of everything was Seth. So they had all the components in place. I loved watching those guys work with the Wyatts because you had three guys on the other side that were completely different from all the shield guys and it was like six different uh psychologies and six different styles all in there mixing it up and man they would tear the joint down uh really uh, big time guys as we know i mean gonna be top of the cards for a long long time but let's mention someone else who's making some news that maybe didn't hit quite as big uh half thor 
Oh, I can't pronounce that last name. Either way, the giant from the game of thrones is someone the company's interested in. He actually spent a week training at the performance center. So he was at least trying to give it a shot. According to Meltzer, he would say one person who was watching his training closely told me it just didn't seem like he had his heart into it. He was shown sitting next to Stephanie McMahon at the NXT special. He's six foot nine and 400 pounds and only 26 years old. He grew up a basketball player who played center in Iceland's pro league, but he blew out his knee and then he started moving to strongman competitions and he starts winning. Even after only a few years of training, he plays sixth in 2011 and then third in both 12 and 13, he got second in 14 and he started game of thrones in, uh, 2013 and he became a big star after that. I mean, he's got a 770 pound squat, a 510 bench press. This feels like the type of guy that wrestling promoters worldwide would have salivated over a few years prior to this, or a few generations prior to this rather. And now for whatever reason, it doesn't really work out, but man, this feels like something Vince McMahon would have been wringing his hands about, wouldn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, the big body guys, you know, that's what got his attention hit his being, oh, uh, you know, Vince and, uh, sad part is, you know, what the fit families of the world and myself and, and different guys that understand how valuable a team like the shield would be. They look at a guy like that and they go, yeah, he's super strong. He's super tall. He's super big. Now we get to that part where he has to fall down. Right. And can this guy fall down and get back up? Can he even fall down? As silly as that may sound, Conrad, taking a crisp bump in that ring off of a piece of offense may appear to the naked eye to just be trivial. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Right. And that, and that's, it's a double-edged sword for these guys that size because they're being told every day of their life, Hey, no matter what you do, work like a big guy, work like a big guy. Well, that's hard to understand if you're not in this business. You know, to me, working like a big guy is like Kane or Undertaker. It's it's super strong, super explosive, super powerful, but also super mobile. And you move like an athlete and you get up and down like an athlete and your offense is explosive. It doesn't mean you walk around like Godzilla and just wobble and, and stagger. Our audience is not going to accept that anymore, and they're not going to pay to see it. And I would think that guy would have fit in one of those cases. You know, I don't know how athletic he was. Being super strong in the weight room doesn't necessarily make you athletic for what we do, which is a combination of a lot of things. Um, and like I said, I mean, I saw the guy once or twice, maybe Max stage. I never saw him in the ring. So I don't know what his potential was, but sounds like he caught a hell of a break on that uh, TV show and good for him. Yeah. And he would go on to win world's strongest man. He, he finished first in 2018. So he had some other great finishes, but he won it all in 2018. Meal time. It's coming. So what's it going to be today? Gas station, hot dog frozen microwave mini meal soup from an envelope 
Or are you ready for something uncommonly delicious, like the famous hook and ladder sub from Firehouse Subs? The hook and ladder is one of our most popular subs for good reason. We start by piling your sub high with freshly sliced smoked turkey breast and Virginia honey ham. Then we top it with melted Monterey Jack. And then, oh man, it's served piping hot in a perfectly toasted roll. This is no ordinary sub. This is the melt-in-your-mouth meaty masterpiece. The hook and ladder from Firehouse Subs. Save time and order yours on the Firehouse Subs app or on firehousesubs.com. And we'll have it hot and ready to go at our Rapid Rescue to Go area inside Firehouse Subs. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Savewithconrad.com makes saving money fast and easy, but don't take my word for it. Last Carl right there in Michigan. He writes, I want to say a big thank you to Derek Jones, who was super responsive and informative. Not only did we save more than a hundred thousand dollars on our mortgage by removing several years off of it. He also saved us a few months of payments In follow-up Conrad and Steve were super helpful. When I had additional questions, you can't go wrong here with save with Conrad. Definitely worth a call to understand what your savings could be. Carl gave us a five-star review. And as you heard, save more than a hundred thousand dollars. How much can you save? Find out right now for free at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number six, five, zero, eight, four equal housing lender. And oh, by the way, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. If we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. We're licensed in more than 40 States and even credit scores in the five hundreds will qualify. So what are you waiting for? Go to savewithconrad.com right now. Uh, this is something that in hindsight is rather interesting. Meltzer writes, this isn't to say anything will transpire, but WWE has greatly changed their thoughts on AJ styles. Styles considers new Japan his home right now. And he's under contract there, but WWE with wanting three touring brands next year, looking to load up on as much quality talent as it can for 2016 styles fits into the NXT philosophy and wanting athletic wrestling, catering to a specific fan base. And as a separate brand with a part-time deal, the idea of someone 38 or so in developmental is a completely different dynamic than it was a year ago. The other advantage, and this is significant as NXT works a lighter style for the most part, the idea that guys who are feeling the effects from years of working the blowaway matches on the indie scene or in Japan will be able to, at least in theory, use the names they developed in the hardcore community be able to work like Finn Balor does, which is good matches getting over by rep, goodwill and solid work without beating up their bodies as badly with styles. It may be a financial thing in the sense that he's probably making three to four times what any, anyone in NXT is pulling in. And he has more home time with his family than he'd have with a full-time WWE deal. So unless it's something like come in for a quick program between Japan tours, the idea of going full-time here makes no sense for either side. Unless it's a main roster spot with a good push. Well, we know how that worked out. AJ styles is someone who was, uh, considered TNA homegrown talent, even though he was in WCW for a cup of coffee at the end. And then a lot of people wondered, would he ever get a shot here? He had a couple of tryouts and for whatever reason, Vince never pulled the trigger. Perhaps it was because of his supposed lack of size, but now he's really made a name for himself in TNA and even in new Japan winning the big belt over there. Were you surprised when AJ came in? I mean, it felt like if it was going to happen, it probably would have happened by this point. 
no, I wasn't surprised. I was pleasantly surprised, and I had pushed for AJ. Um, there was a point in time when Cena had about run out of opponents, and I was on that whole ride with John, you know, for all those years, you know, more than a decade, I would I would imagine. And we were sitting there, and I was talking to him, and it was when TNA was doing well, and uh, I would watch their show, you know, not every week, not every other week, probably because I was just too busy and, uh, you know, suffering from burnout on wrestling. But I was sitting there with Cena one afternoon. We're sitting out there backstage at a table. I said, you know, John, it would, it would really beef up the company we would go out and we would steal Bobby Roode, AJ Styles, and the Cowboy, who was Bobby Roode, or James Storm. If you just brought those three guys in, it would just give you a whole plethora of new opponents. It would give a lot of guys new opponents. And that's just those three guys that I singled them out because of their work and and their psychology and just things that, that I knew I could benefit helping them and, and they would catch right on and they would be a very, very good fit. And, you know, the fact is, he, John looked at me and said, hey, we've got NXT, we make our own stars. And I'm sure he was just transferring, you know, Vince's psychology to me when he said that. But, but I knew at that time what those guys could do in a match for John if you just gave them six to nine months to come in and get over. But you would have to push them the right way, just like they were a fresh 25-year-old body guy that you had hoped the stars for, you know, and that's that's what comes from the top. That That's the deal. We want them young. We want them to have great physiques, great athletes, and we'll bring them in and we'll build them. Well, these guys had their experience. They already had their teeth cut on the Indies, TNA. They were experienced. They were ready. You could bring them in day one, debut them on Raw, debut them on SmackDown, and you had a, you had a player. And uh, so, I, you know, AJ Styles and Bobby Roode and Cowboy, they were all on my radar for a while before they ever made it. Are you surprised that James Storm never really got a run? I and mean, we know Bobby Roode has done great, not only in NXT, but on the main roster. Cowboy did a cup of coffee at NXT and then back out again. What do you think has kept James Storm away from WWE? Well, I don't know if uh, it was his choice, if the meeting didn't go the way he wanted it to go, uh, if the money wasn't right. You never know in those situations. You know, I saw him where he had came down to an arena close to his home, and I don't remember, you know, where he lives or, or anything right now, but I just, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing here? How are you? Bye, bye, bye. You don't get to talk to anybody. They said, yeah, just sit tight. So, you know, he had a meeting or two, I think. Any company, I would think, would benefit from having a veteran like that on their crew. And, uh, you know, when, if it's a guy that can get over and it's a guy that can go out there and day one, give you a main event match, you're just ahead of the game. You don't have to groom that guy. You don't have to teach him. Just let him go and let him do what, you know, you look at that lineup that's at NXT. Now I would say there were a lot of guys that have 
a lot of experience on that crew and a few rookies the way it should be instead of just having all rookies and one or two guys with some experience, which has been the case, you know, throughout history. Let's get to the actual show. But before we do, I want to bring up dusty Rhodes. Um, he passed away on June 11th, just a handful of days before this show, uh, at the age of 69, you go way back with dusty. You've told the famous story of your first time at the Crockett office and his advice to you. Tell me about your memories of his passing and the impact he had on your life and career. Well, it was just, it was unexpected. Um, you never expect a guy that's bigger than life to be taken just, you know, and pretty quickly, you know, it wasn't a long, long illness. If it was, no one knew about it, you know, and, and I came into Crockett March, I think the 5th, 1985. And I had that meeting where, you know, the, the communication was this go get over. And that was the extent of it. And, uh, Dusty put me in a position, especially when the horseman thing started to click, to work with nothing but top guys, including himself. And I got to learn the business from the best and from the hottest guys in the industry at the time, certainly with Jim Crockett Promotions. And, uh, you know, besides just being fun to be around, you know, on the planes, on the private planes and stuff after the shows, having a couple of cocktails and just, you know, us all lying like hell to each other and expecting us to believe it. And, and, and all the things that were the, the great part of the business, the, the camaraderie, you know, it was like a, it was like a fraternity. It was like a bunch of brothers, you know, um, and the guys were all close and they looked out after each other and, you know, they cared about each other and it was just a different time in the business. And, uh, Dusty was just bigger than life, you know, to this moment, sitting in this chair, I'm thinking back and, and how it felt to be in the ring and looking at that baby face dressing room door fly open, Dusty's music playing him come down that aisle. You know, I would be sitting there with goosebumps, you know, and, you know, back of my neck would be hot it was like he was coming down he was a a big star and uh he could get that audience you know behind him and it was just uh it was just magic and working with him would just taught you about what was important in this business and it was connecting with the audience positively and negatively and that was the most important thing you could be a moderate worker with just a fair body but if you could connect with the with the audience you were going to draw money it's the most important thing you could learn that from dusty and uh selling you know selling was so high up on the list and uh just all those things that we we kind of skip around now and you know we've got these six minute short windows to try to, for a guy to go try to get over on TV. And it just, it's not enough time. And, uh, Dusty would give us and give me, uh, enough time, whatever that number was to go out, have my match, have my interview, even if it was two twenty eight, 
you go back and you asked a real wrestling fan, go back to those interviews that we used to do talking about our angles and our opponents and all that, even though there were only 228, three-minute interviews, did they seem too short to you? Most people will tell you, no, they got their story told in that amount of time, whether it was one person or three people talking during that 228 to three minutes. It wasn't go out for 15 minutes and, uh, you know, remember a three, three sheet, uh, dichotomy, you know, it was, it wasn't one of those things where you had to go out and, and learn war and peace at, between the hours of two o'clock and eight o'clock and then go recite it. It was, if you had one minute, you had to nail your content, your opponent, your promo, everything had to be contained in that one minute. And guys, that's how you got good. That's how you got professional. If that's all the time you had, you didn't take somebody else's time. You took yours and you made the most out of it. And I would just learn from Dusty, you know, and nobody was better on that stick and talking them in the building than him. And uh, that's one that just, uh, they, they all hurt as far as the losses because wrestlers go away before they they should in a lot of cases. Um, and that's one that uh, will always be special. And it's one of those that just, when you get the news, you get kicked right in the stomach and it, and I don't know that you ever get over it. All right, listen up, you filthy animals. We have got a new product alert. For manscaped.com, they have just released the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, you nasty bastard, and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven pubes. And here's the deal. We all know this is part of getting older. I'll never forget as a little kid, I saw my grandfather. Man, that bastard had crazy nose hair. Well, that's you now, buddy. It's taken over your life as we get older. I didn't even think I was capable of growing ear hair. And then like 10 years ago, it started showing up and now it is a near daily battle until I got the new weed whacker. And by the way, once upon a time, I used to try to pluck these things out of your nose, buddy, it's going to look like you just watched Ric Flair's retirement match. You don't want to do that. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with this new weed whacker. The nose and ear hair trimmer provides that same proprietary skin safe technology, which is going to help prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those oh so delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor, a 360 degree rotary dual blade system. Oh, and it's also worth mentioning that its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience. And oh, by the way, it's waterproof which makes for easy operation and cleaning. We should mention it's the only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium ion battery. That's going to last up to 90 minutes of use. And dude, if you got an hour and a half of ear hair, you got major problems. Have you ever pulled a nose out of your hair with your fingers? I mean, dude, that, that hurts worse than nicking your sack meat. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum confidence while providing hygiene. And yes, you get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Listen up, fellas. 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. I don't know what makes them want to do stuff, but I know what makes them not want to. And it's your 
nasty ass nose hair. It's time to get it under control. It's time to upgrade your manscape routine. It's time to get a weed whacker. And right now you can get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code ARN at manscaped.com. Thank you, manscaped.com, for keeping our pubes trimmed and our hairs and our holes looking nice. Get 20% off and free shipping with that promo code ARN, A-R-N, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. All you've got to do is use the promo code ARN. So what are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds with a new weed whacker from manscaped.com. The start of this pay-per-view is really a touching tribute. I mean, it's something we don't often see in wrestling, but we've got the entire company with Vince Hunter and Stephanie out front doing a very solemn 10 bell salute. And then at the end of that, they play Dusty's WWF common man theme and Vince starts dancing around and it gets the crowd pumped up. And about halfway through the show, they do an incredible touching tribute of dusty highlights and man, when WWE wants to honor somebody and do it in video form like this. And then the big 10 bell salute. I don't know that anybody does it better than Vince when he wants to. No, of course not. And with all the, uh, all of the production quality and values and ability, those guys that put those specials together in Stanford, you know, they make stars out of the guys. And when they really want to put something emotional out there, man, they can do it. And they're, you know, unsung heroes that probably don't get enough credit. But that was always one of the things that separated the WWF or the WWE, whatever it may be, from everyone else was their production values. It was just, you want to build a package, you call the guys in Stanford, 24 hours, they got you a world-class package that just makes you look even more of a superstar than, than you really were. And sometimes it just puts you in a whole other stratosphere. And, uh, yeah, yeah, they you want to put something emotional together. What better subject matter for our audience than Dusty Rhodes? Let's get to the matches here on the show. First up, we got our truth pinning King Barrett on a pre-show match. Five minutes, 47 seconds. Barrett comes out with a new Royal outfit. He calls our truth the village idiot. Meltzer would say it's a decent match. Uh, he gave it a star in three quarters. Our truth, uh, is, is we've said a lot about him here on the show. We love our truth. I hope he wrestles forever. He adds a lot to every program. He steals a scene. He, as JR would say, makes the most of his minutes. But King Barrett, this is a guy who uh, has started to flirt a little bit online with Drew McIntyre. The idea that, hey, maybe he does want to come back to wrestling. Maybe he does want to challenge his old pal for the world title or the universal title, as it were. Are you surprised that Barrett has stayed away as long as he has? I really assumed, you know, that Barrett might have popped up in AEW or somewhere else. We saw him do some commentary with the NWA, but I'm still shocked he hasn't gone back to WWE or done something with AEW. What can you tell us about Wade Barrett, King Barrett, whatever you want to call him? Well, I'm not going to call him King Barrett because to me, that is such a dated gimmick. So cheesy. I haven't seen anyone probably besides Booker, Booker T who became King of the ring and actually got some heat and some entertainment value out of being king of the ring. But it's because Booker had that 
just had all that personality that he could bring to it. For someone to try to get legitimate heat, like a Wade Barrett who had good size, he had good promos, his work was good, his pacing was good, all that did was hurt him in my estimation because it's, it is, it's just a cheesy, dated gimmick that maybe at one time was meant to put heat on a guy, but now it's just a guy coming to the ring with a crown, in a robe, in a staff, and it's the same thing. I mean, how many things can you do in that get up to get heat? And I think it probably left a bad taste in Wade's mouth. You know, if that's all they could do was to come up with him. The Nexus thing was kicking ass. If they would have left that alone and gave it the same attention that you were going to give, say, a tag team that you were putting with Bobby Heenan to try to get them, you know, a shot in the ass right away and give them a good shove and get some good heat on them. You know, if you if you were going to go that route, okay. But the Nexus guys were all young guys. That could have ran another year, and people recognized Wade being like the head of that group. And it was just because of his mic skills, you know, and he felt – like a guy that would be in charge that could impose his will on his opponents and, you know, direct his guys into a, a successful attack. And you had some young studs in that group. I think the biggest thing, the biggest fumble was breaking up the Nexus way before their time. And I think Wade probably got a bad taste in his mouth about the business because he knew he had ability. He knew he had all the tools and they still weren't using them worth the crap. And for a talent that's not in this business, just to be on TV and to be a big shot in their neighborhood and and uh, get recognized going through airports and all those trivial things, for a guy that wants to learn this business and be a player over a decade or a decade and a half and be a top guy and wrestle all the top guys and be the best he can possibly be from a performance standpoint where you have them talking about your matches a decade later or two decades later or your interview skills. You know, my feeling was Wade probably wanted to aspire to be as good as he could possibly be because he always asked questions and he was never seemed like he was happy with his performance 100%, which I respect because you never should be. You never should be 100% that that couldn't get any better. If you can't get any better, you're getting worse. And that's my feeling. I don't know you'd have to ask Wade, but I think he's he was an incredible talent that, that was not realized, and it wasn't his fault. Next up, we've got the Money in the Bank ladder match. It's got Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, Neville, Kofi Kingston, Kane, Dolph Ziggler, and Sheamus becomes the winner. 20 minutes and 32 seconds. Man, these are uh, car crash matches, and there are some dangerous bumps here. Uh, Kingston took a bad bump when Sheamus knocked him off a ladder. He's supposed to catch his neck on the top rope on the way down, but lands short and awkward. And a lot of the match has guys hanging around the outside and leaving the ring to only a few people. But it's uh, it's a dangerous deal. Are you glad that Money in the Bank matches didn't exist when you were in the ring? Well, I'm certain I wouldn't have been a candidate for it. 
for sure. Well, I mean, come on, man. They got fucking Kane in these. Kane shouldn't be a candidate. <laughs> Here he is. Well, I don't think you see Kane getting backdropped off the top of a ladder out to the floor either. There you go. You know, he may pick up a ladder and just cream everybody in the area code. You know, there's spots you can do for a guy like Kane where he's not having to climb the ladders and take those big bumps and stuff. I'm sure it's not his favorite. It's probably, you know, not one of those things he enjoys doing. And to be honest with you, you know, I wouldn't have excelled at that. Because, you know, I go in with the fear of this to this day. When I see a TLC match or I see a ladder match, the one thing you cannot account on and be 100% sure about is how those things are going to break. When they break, how is that piece of metal, you know, that secures them? How is that going to break? Which way is it going to go, you know? Uh is that ladder going to hold all that weight that's put on it? Say a cane and somebody else, a big guy climb that ladder and they, they get up top and, and let's say somebody pushes it over when it hits that top rope. If, if in fact that's, what's going to happen, how's it going to kick you off? Because the weight is so distributed so unequally. I mean, there's so many unknowns to that match, it just scares me to death. And you certainly can't go into a match where you're going to try to entertain and be safe and tell a story if you're scared to death. And I would be, that's just being honest. Uh, I'm not a, a, a walking kitty cat. Throw me off the roof. I'm not going to hit on my feet. Good, pretty good chance. I'm going to hit on my back and let out one of the most guttural sounds you ever heard. Um, so, even though I enjoy watching these matches, it scares me to death for the talent to, that are in them because it's just so many unknowns. Summer's here, and it's time to enjoy the season. That means it's time to feed your yard with Scott's. It's easy to help your lawn stand up to summer's wear and tear, to keep it lush and green and help prevent those brown spots. It's time to get outside and enjoy every day. Scott's has got you covered because even though this summer may feel different, the best things never change. So let's get to it. It's time to enjoy your yard. Scott's, it's good out here. You can get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments at savewithconrad.com. But don't take my word for it. Just ask Andrew in Florida. He hooked us up with a five star review and had this to say very easy, and Derek was great to work with. I went to a 20 year from a 30 year. I saved seven years of interest. Plus I have a cheaper payment than my 30 year was all around a great deal and couldn't be happier. Thanks so much. I want you to do me a favor. Do the math on that. What if we cut six years off of your loan? That's 72 payments. You know, to the penny, how much you pay on your house every month, multiply it by 72. That's the amount of money you could save if we cut six years off of your loan. Find out right now for free. And oh, by the way, as you heard, cheaper monthly payments. Why wouldn't you do this? Keep more of your own money at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payment for two months? We're licensed in more than 40 states and even credit scores in the 500s can qualify. What are you waiting for? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. The mask gets three and a half stars. Seamus, uh, grabs the win here. It's pretty remarkable. when you think about 
you know, all the, the craziness that can happen in these matches. And it feels like we've got to try to play. Can you top this? We should also mention fans were going crazy when Bray Wyatt hits the ring. Uh, the lights go out. And then when they come back on Bray's here, Wyatt shoves reins off the ladder, hits the sister, Abigail fans are cheering like crazy because, uh, they've cost, uh, Roman reigns, the win this Roman reigns heat with fans and fans just spitting him up. Did this ever, did your opinion on this ever change? I mean, I feel bad for the guy and I know I feel bad for a millionaire. I mean, he's doing very, very well for himself, <laughs> but, he, but he's working hard. He's doing everything he's asked to do, but what fans are sort of pushing away from is the creative, not necessarily his execution, right? Yeah. It's got nothing to do with his ability to work. And I've seen many, many, many house shows where Roman would, would get the same partial booing. You, you know, you don't notice it as much in the live events because the pro reactions versus the con reactions are probably 80, 20 on the pro side right. for TV. A lot of stuff gets pumped in just because that's the way they want the audience to react, even though they're not reacting that way. You know, it's, it's for sure force the reactions on the TV show when they're really not happening to the degree, you know, that, that it appears they are Roman. Number one, he comes through the curtain. He looks like a friggin' movie star. You know, if your girlfriend is sitting beside you, she's probably going to stand up at least for the first time of the night, but for sure she's going to go, who is that? Right. Which pisses most adult males, which is our audience pisses them off. And, uh, and Roman is a, is a hell of an athlete and, and he sells well and he, you know, he does, he has no weaknesses in his work, but the fact of the matter it is, Roman should have came through that curtain to this day. If he had a promo, it was one or two or three Clint Eastwood lines uncontested. And then he just kicks ass. He's a Samoan killing machine and that's who he should have been. And when you try flipping guys back and forth from heel to baby face, heel to baby face, the audience gets confused they don't know who they can trust. They don't really know what a guy's attitude is because he flip-flops so much. You know, it's not like you had faith in a guy. Roman Reigns should either still be a babyface from the first time they turned him right now and with no switches in between, or he should still be an ass-kicking heel and you have that one turn that makes you special and different because it comes at a time that nobody expected it. Now I'll give you an example. Let's just say Roman had been a babyface all this time and people used to do it forever. You never saw dusty turn heel. Did you? No. Oh, you did you, briefly in the NWO, but it was terrible. Didn't count. No, that was just throwing bodies out there. Dusty was a career babyface. Hogan, career babyface to the NWO turn, right? You know, these guys that were bigger than life and they had that one turn when, when Hogan had that one NWO turn, it was massive. Now let's just say, and we're, we're doing our Monday morning quarterback in here like you and I do sometimes. 
let's just say Roman was a babyface all this time. Well, Roman has been out now for a while, you know, with with this pandemic, you know, the guy's taking care of his family and his priorities, and that's his number one deal. What if when Roman came back, because, you know, he's had a groundswell of people that, that support his decision, obviously. You know, what if the guy came back and day one was his first heel turn He's been a babyface all this time. What if that was his first heel turn with the caveat that how dare you try to second guess me where my family's concerned and tell me where I should be and when I should wrestle, when it's safe and when it's not, and all these unknowns. Piss on all of you. You think you might have some heat? Yes, sir. And I know it's a lot to go back and say, but, you know, guys flip-flop now almost every six months. Guy, you know, a talent like Seth Rollins, how many times has he been babyface? It would be interesting to get your research, guys. How many times has he been a heel or a babyface? Have they flip-flopped him back? How many, you know, different groups of guys has he been with? There's a guy that's a diamond. Just, just polish him up. You don't need to try to, to change his chemical makeup. And uh, I just think that uh, the Shield guys, you know, you see how special Ambrose is being himself right now. Right. And what he's doing, you know, you got to recognize, let the, when you got a racehorse, let them run. That's it. Don't have them trotting. Don't have them pulling a carriage. You got a racehorse here. Swat him in the ass and let him run. And, um, and I think Roman has been given promo material, you know, for a guy that looks like that and can perform like that to ever mouth the words suffering succotash should be at least a felony in most states. <laughs> and that's for the person that wrote the line for him. Well, we know who that is. Uh, three. Had, go ahead. What had to be, can only be a person, one person. Three and a half stars here. Uh, Seamus winning the briefcase is paying off what was written in the plan for last year. The idea, according to a former creative team member, Kevin Eck said that he pitched the idea of Seamus winning last year to Vince McMahon. And his idea was that the babyface Seamus winning would set up the long planned heel turn based on him cashing in on a babyface champion to unfairly at some point. Uh, originally Seamus was to turn heel and face Brian at WrestleMania, but when punk leaves and the fact that crowds were killing Batista, Brian's creative chains and Seamus is left out. Then Seamus was going to win the briefcase at money in the bank. And then Brian got hurt and money in the bank became for the vacant title. So it changed again. And the champion was chosen based on who the best person to drop the title to Brock Lesnar would be. And the feeling at that point was it should be the biggest marquee star, John Cena. Where Rollins got the nod and look at how that turned out is at first they were only going to do one money in the bank match only for the title. When the decision was made to do a second one with a title shot at stake, Seamus had already been slotted in the first one and they didn't want to change it. So Seamus wins money in the bank here. Finally, feels like a long time coming. And Seamus is another one of those talents where for whatever reason, it feels like the fans sort of soured on him quickly just because of the push coming from the office. But very nice guy behind the scenes, very capable performer, uh, has a, a very cool look 
And for whatever reason, fans are just sort of lukewarm on him here. Is this a case of too much baby face, too much heel or too much push too soon for the fans? Do you think? Well, I don't think the push too much push is the wrong thing to do. If you want a guy to be a star, bring him in like a star, have him work with the stars, you know, give him that get over period, which is never long enough, that slow build. And I go back to two guys that it worked with. And I've said this before, I went on record, two of your more successful heels, heels for their era would have been Yumaga who got over huge, but he won every week. He went out and he kicked ass. Rusev is another guy that I pushed very, very hard, had many conversations because they tried to back off on it. And the only reason they didn't is because John was in favor of it. Rusev went for a year without getting beat. So the first time he got beat by Cena, it mattered. Right. And it it meant something. You know, I think, you know, Seamus – the one mistake Seamus does is he's a good, solid worker, but as a heel, you've still, the art in being a heel is getting your ass kicked when it's time. And I mean taking a royal ass kicking. You can do the bully stuff and you can do the snug stuff and you can overpower guys. That's fine. But there comes in every match where you got to get your ass whipped and your top heels know how to do that. And when they get their ass kicked, it's it's in a royal fashion. I don't think Sheamus gets that concept. He wants to get all of his offense in, no matter what, whatever's in his mind for that night, no matter what the office, what the audience is giving him back, or or what it calls for. And sometimes you got to be really, really giving as a heel, even though you are this big, rugged, kick-ass heel. You got to give them faith in that baby face because once the heel overpowers the baby face to the point that the audience loses faith in them, faith in them, forget it. Match is over. Let's get to the next match. It's Nikki Bella and Paige for the Divas title. Uh, Nikki winds up getting the win in 10 minutes and 58 seconds. Meltzer would say the match was fine, but the finish made no logical sense. Not to mention the page said she was dedicating this match to dusty Rhodes, and then goes out and loses. Bella's went for twin magic. Once again, Bree gives page a small package after a switch, but page reverses it into her own small package and gets the three count and is announced as the champion breathe in protests and shows the ref that she wasn't Nikki by pulling all kinds of tissue paper out of her bra. And then she showed her tattoo. The only thing close to logic here would be a title saving DQ finish, but instead the ref orders the match to continue. Nikki lays out page with a forearm followed by the rack attack for the pin 33 seconds into the restart. Uh, Meltzer says they put them on early and gave them time, but the crowd didn't get into this much, but it was better than an average WWE women's match. Of course, we know this summer is when the whole women's revolution and give divas a chance is going to start trending and become a big thing. But I thought this match was pretty good. And I know. I mean, I do agree with Meltzer's theory that it should have been a DQ finish and maybe not restarted, but I liked the finish, especially with it being a quote unquote dusty finish. Uh, and I know that maybe Meltzer didn't like that, but I thought it was a pretty creative little finish. What'd you think? I'm sure the match was fine, but I got to agree with Meltzer. You, you either got to 
you know, all the time we're hearing as producers, can't bury the referee, don't bury the referee. So many things that don't even bury the referee get your ass chewed out after it's all over. This is one of those deals where you made the referee look like a moron. Yeah. You're either going to protect the referee every match, every night, or you're not. Don't give me that, okay, well, this is creative liberty bullshit. That's one of those that if the referee is is not just the village idiot, he figures out what happened, there's your DQ, uh, title is saved, and you leave the baby face down. It's, you know, it, it didn't work. Referee saw through it, DQ'd it. That way you protect the ref. You can't have hit and miss on this deal with the refs. They either have to have real authority, and if something that they it was clear they should have known or seen causes a DQ, okay. To go but you know, to me that just left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. I agree with the idea of having the match restarted, but the little twin magic thing, I don't know, that worked for me. I dug it. That's where we can agree to disagree. Let's get to the next match for the Intercontinental title. It's Ryback defending against the Big Show. As a reminder, uh, the Intercontinental title was vacant at the Elimination Chamber, and Ryback wins that. So on the June 1st Raw, before Ryback is scheduled to defend the title against Miz, Big Show attacks Miz and confronts Ryback, and here we are. They go five minutes and 27 seconds. Ryback picks up the win by DQ. Um... The Miz is ringside doing commentary. Ryback is going to throw Miz over the announcer's table at one point. Show hits Ryback with a spear. Ryback reverses him, goes for an arm bar. The highlight of the match was Ryback suplexing Show. Ryback kicks out of a choke slam. Show knocks out Ryback, who then falls out of the ring. Show throws Ryback into the ring, and then Miz attacks Show, which causes the ref to throw the match out. Three quarters of a star. It's a nice little match, but it feels like a TV match. What say you? Well, the only thing that came from it, and, and okay, if we would have done what what I said do, had the DQ in the match right before it, you couldn't have very well had one here, could you? Right. So, I mean, some of that thinking might have, might have went into that. Who knows? Uh, but I know this. Big Show, when healthy, and even when not healthy and as hard as in it can make any guy just by, by taking a big ass, huge, unexpected bump for that guy, because he is a real giant. I mean, he's a, he's a huge man. And you got a guy that looks like Ryback when he still gets in the ring with show, you know, he looks like a flea on the beach shows just that big and Ryback looks incredible. So for show to take those big bumps for Ryback actually made him in the body of the match. Um, you know, DQs are what they are. They kind of, it's like kissing your sister. It, uh, nobody's really satisfied with those. Um, and the idea to plug Miz in for a three-way going forward looks like an obvious setup and that at least Miz can get in, get his ass handed to him for most of that match to create the excitement. So there was some rhyme or reason to it. It was still short and really didn't leave anybody satisfied. Well, the next one does the U S champion, John Cena is going to pin the NXT champion, Kevin Owens in 19 minutes and 13 seconds. 
Uh, this is the match to go out of your way to see from this show. If you're going to watch one more match from this show, you should watch this one again. Meltzer would give it four and a half stars. I think that might even be a little light. He writes the crowd felt like it was 90% pro Owens and they were electric. Owens did all of Cena's moves, including the five knuckle shuffle. Owens tried an attitude adjustment, but Cena reversed it into an STF. Owens used a code breaker for a near fall. It's weird that he'd use Jericho's finisher. He writes Cena came back with the five knuckle shuffle, then goes for the attitude adjustment, but Owens gets away, hits a German suplex and a cannonball into the corner. Owens goes for the swan time, but Cena gets his knees up. Cena hits the attitude adjustment for the first time for a near fall. And then he's yelling at referee Mike Kyoto about the count being slow. Cena tries an attitude adjustment off the middle rope, but Owens gets out and uses a power bomb for a near fall. He tries the pop-up power bomb, but Cena reverses it into a hurricane Rana. Owens then super kicks Cena and Cena is cut near the right eye. Owens uses a package side slam since the package pile driver has been banned for a near fall. And at that point, Jerry Lawler said Owens came from virtual obscurity to beating John Cena two weeks ago. Way to bury NXT, Jerry. Uh, Cena did the attitude adjustment for a second time. Owens kicks out. Owens reverses an attempted Cena suplex into the death Valley bomb off the middle ropes for a near fall. And then Cena used the infrared for another uh, near fall. Owens finally hits the pop-up power bomb, but Cena kicks out. Cena comes back with that stunner and a third attitude adjustment and finally gets the pin. After it's over, Cena said that Owens belongs here and that he's a real champion. He raises Owens hand and shakes him, shakes his hand. And then Owens, uh, attacks Cena, gives him the power bomb onto the ring apron. And he leaves with both the U S and the NXT belts. And he's laughing at Cena and the crowd is going crazy for this post-match attack. Cena has to be helped to the back. Of course he's limping and Meltzer gave it four and a half stars. I was actually at this show and on the way there, I listened to a podcast where stone cold was interviewing Michael PS Hayes. And Michael Hayes said the way he knew a match was good is when you could make the fans stand up and sit down. And as I looked around this night, this match had fans standing up and sitting down more than any other. They took them on a ride. They took them on a story, but they hit every finish under the moon. So I'm not sure what you thought about it. What'd you think? Well, my thinking is always more conservative than the talents, but I will have hopefully on the end of this little diatribe have at least a comment that makes sense. Um, number one, I've, I've said earlier tonight and I said in other podcasts, can't go wrong if you give the audience what they want. Two weeks ago, I think they did too much, but the right guy went over, that being Kevin Owens. This night, even though they did all this stuff, the audience is 90% Kevin Owens. Give them what they want. Put Owens over. By Cena going over, it's just what the norm was of the time. It wasn't about, okay, who's going to benefit the most. You wouldn't have killed John Cena off to beat him again. They did so many bombs and so many big moves and so many things just to get a pop that they took all these big offensive moves and they neutered them. 
Right. Now now they're not finishes. And once once you take some guy's finish, once you do another guy's moves on him, it's confusing because a lot of fans know what a guy's offense is, and, and a lot of them really don't, and it all kind of runs together. And if I'm doing all of Cena's moves and he's doing all my moves to me, there's a large portion of that crowd that's going to be confused. And I believe that. And uh, certainly you're neutering all those big offensive moves down to just high spots. And once they become high spots, you can't go back and make them finishes again. Something's either a kill shot or it's not. They told you what they wanted that night, that audience, and they wanted Kevin Owens to go over. He should have went over because in my mind, you know, John Cena is a guy that always does the right thing, and he's the one that takes care of the kids, and he does all this, you know, white meat baby face stuff. For him to say Kevin Owens is a is a champion and he belongs here, and then then to get it shoved up his ass, and then they pop again. If that don't tell you that's what you should have done, versus what you did, nothing will. And you had a chance to have this guy, if he would have taken that third match and in a shitty way or not, maybe not even Kevin Owens was with being with, with John Cena in those three matches. I think they had in a row for him to beat John Cena, all three of those matches, you would have had a hell of a baby face on your hands. He should have never done anything English in my mind. And you would have had a red hot commodity because the audience bought it. They really did. And for John to do that promo and then get it, you know, it's like gullible John. You know, he says something nice about somebody and gets his head taken off for it. I don't think that does Cena any favors either, to be honest with you. No, you're exactly right. I mean, they did have a trilogy here. They started at Elimination Chamber. Owens goes up here. Cena goes up at Money in the Bank. And then Battleground is next. And we know John Cena wins that. So... Cena wins, uh, two of the three with Owens getting the first one, but Kevin Owens was just happy to be there. He did an interview with CBS radio where he said, my son's a big John Cena fan and obviously a big fan of mine. who's proud of everything I'm accomplishing. A big reason why I signed with WWE in the first place was because my son wanted to see me wrestle in WWE and he wanted to see me wrestle John Cena. So now he gets to see it. I don't know if he realized what it would entail, that it would entail me beating up John Cena and Cena trying to beat me up. I'm sure it's a bit conflicting feelings here and there for him, but he's proud of everything that's happening. And he's really loving seeing me on WWE TV every week. And regarding Cena, he said, anybody who says that he's not a very good professional wrestler and a very good performer all around is kidding themselves. I like the idea that we get a peek behind the curtain and we hear about this real life aspect. Did anything like that happen? With your kids, like where they had a favorite wrestler, maybe when you jumped to the WWF, did, did your oldest have a favorite wrestler and then you beat them up or were, were, were your youngest son, was he a big Sting fan, something like that? No, just, you know, the one thing that I remember, and uh, he was three or four at the time when I was wrestling for WWF and we ran Charlotte. This was when Hulk was huge. And bronze. And uh, 
this would have been 88, probably 89, one of the two, I don't remember. So I took my three or four year old Barrett, my oldest son, down to, to meet Hulk. And I don't know if he just said to me, Dad, you know, it's Hulk Hogan here. It was just something. I said, I don't know. Let's see. Come with me. And I never took him in the back and all that stuff very often, you know, because it was just, you know, we were always concentrating on work, work. And, you know, you come to work to work. You don't come to socialize. So I knocked on the door. Yeah. This voice. Yeah. Hulk, it's on. You got a second? And he opened the door and he looked 10 feet tall to that three-year-old. And I'll never forget the look on his face. It was like out of a, a comedy high spot. He started looking at his knees and his head just went up to as far as his neck would bend. And I said, can you, can you shake Hulk's hand? Yes, brother. And he stuck his hand out and Barrett shook his hand. It was just one of those cool things that was real. And you, you, that little boy just saw a superhero. And, uh, that was one of those things that was really cool that, that I remember. What a great story. Uh, let's talk Simpl- about- simplistic, but great. It is great because listen, we all had that same fandom as kids and the idea that, you know, your kids got to have a peek behind the curtain and, and meet some of their superhero. I mean, when I was a little kid, it would have been the greatest day of my life to me, Hulk Hogan. And the idea that it got to happen and, and, and my dad introduced me to him. That's a cool story, man. I'm sure he's still proud of that story today. Yeah, as am I. It, it made his day, and that's that's what we should be doing in the entertainment industry is making people's day. I'm really glad that we had this talk because I feel like sometimes, especially you know, we're all adults now and we're trying to uh, armchair quarterback all this and poke holes and shit and stuff like that. But at the root of it, man, it's all about you know. I hate the corny putting smiles on people's faces, but hearing Kevin Owens talk about. My kid wanted me to fight John Cena. That means he's got John Cena action figures and all that. And now he gets to see his dad fight what in his mind is a real life superhero. That's pretty freaking cool, man. Yeah, it is. Of course it is. And imagine if the company would have got behind that and shoved him hard as a baby face. Oh, it would have been huge. Imagine how hot the guy was. Now, during all these three matches, this guy's trying to be a heel. And the audience is fighting them tooth and nail. Always do what the audience wants and you can't go wrong. Now, that's not my quote. That was given to me. And I learned from that. One of the things I learned, do what the audience wants. Give them what they want. It's insane to fight the crowd. Give them what they want. And sometimes since you have the beauty of live television, you have the ability of changing it on a dime. Do it. Yeah, I think uh, JR's famous line is the most powerful weapon in wrestling is the eraser. You bet. Titus O'Neill and Darren Young, the primetime players, are going to take on the new day here, Big E and Xavier Woods. And believe it or not, primetime win the tag titles in five minutes and 49 seconds. Uh, Meltzer would say not much to this. E tackled young to the floor. O'Neill gets the hot tag and ran wild woods hit the clash of the Titus for the pin. They were put in a tough spot after the last match and fans didn't really react to most of the match 
In a sense, this seemed to be the wrong time to take the titles off new day, but the primetime players hadn't been pushed in a long time. And with Tyson Kidd injured, the new day desperately need new opponents. The decision was made to go with primetime players over Lucha dragons for this spot. And they had no credibility at this point with the fans, as far as being serious title contenders. So for the good of getting a long program going, they really needed the win more than new day did. Plus, I don't think there's any doubt new day will be getting the belts back or going to be, or are going to be phased down right now. Of course, we know that's not what's coming for new day. I don't think anybody could have predicted the run that new day had. I mean, they were one of the biggest acts in company history, seemingly by accident. I mean, it didn't feel like the company was putting much steam behind them, but the fans got with them and man, they were off to the races. Yeah. And, and those guys think about what they're doing. They're entertaining. They're, you can tell every one of them are having fun and they all bring something different to the table in the entertainment portion of it. They're all good athletes. You know, that friggin' big E is a monster. My God, that guy's strong in the weight room. You know, Woods is very entertaining, and Kofi is the all-around cowboy, man. He can, you know, he can sell. He can make comebacks. When he smiles, he lights up the room. You know, they got everything in that group. And uh, those guys finally, they pretty much just forced themselves a break because they were getting over, and they were working hard and doing some incredible stuff. And I think their evolution going forward is what you will always remember, that these guys got over – the old fashioned way they work for it and they put their time in and they contributed, you know, all these positive things and, and the audience loves them. They announced Reigns versus Wyatt for battleground, which is kind of cool here because we saw the buildup for this match earlier in the show. So I, I'm liking that they do this. And then we see a Kane promo where he's saying to Seth Rollins, he couldn't wait for him to lose. Stephanie McMahon tells Rollins that they've got a lot invested in him. And if he loses, they'll have nobody to blame, but him and triple H gives Rollins the big motivational speech, like a college coach, which pretty much guaranteed he was winning since triple H is not wasting that speech on a guy who is going to lose that all. According to Dave Meltzer, of course, here it is. It's the big ladder match with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. They get a ton of time over 35 minutes. Seth Rollins retains. It is a big moment. It gets four stars. Meltzer called it an excellent match. What'd you think? Yeah, he was right. He's dead on. They killed it. Off off the charts as far as the creativity and the selling and just just the difference in styles, but blending them together and each guy just now they did what you should do is they took every one of their offensive moves, not the opponents. And they put them in places they went where they went and they were true false finishes. And there's a big difference of me recognizing one of Seth's moves and him hitting that move out of nowhere and me going, that's gotta be it. Oh Jesus. Oh God. One, two out, you know, versus Seth hitting one of Dean's moves and me going, well, wait a minute. And while I'm going through that thought process, isn't that Dean's move? By the time it happens, you've already had the landing, the cover, the kick out. And most people are still sitting there. What did I just see? These guys are featuring all their own stuff and their conflicting styles. And it was just the intensity 
was just incredible. And it's one of those that, that I can always learn from. If I watched it 10 times in a row, I would learn something new each time I watched it. These guys are just that good. And it was a treat for the audience. It was a treat for the business. And every guy out there that aspires, you know, to be the best worker, he, you know, in the business, which everybody should aspire to be if they have that capability, watch this match and just watch the story that's told. We should mention Ambrose and Rollins are at the top of the ladder fighting for the belt. They both pull it down at the same time and fall to the floor with it. But Rollins winds up with the possession of the belt first. It's almost like a couple of guys looking for a loose fumble in football. Rollins is the winner. I thought it was a home run. Uh, the readers of the Wrestling Observer agreed when it came to the best match poll. They voted in a runaway that it was Cena Owens. But the only other match that got any votes was Rollins Ambrose. So our main event gets four stars. That Cena match does even better at four and a half. I think this is a very, very underrated pay-per-view. It was an overwhelming thumbs up from the readers of the observer. They gave it 73.4% thumbs up, only 17.4% thumbs down and 9.2% thumbs in the middle. Almost everyone agreed that big show and Ryback had the worst match, but this is uh, this is a fun pay-per-view time flew by watching this one again. what do you think overall thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. No, you know, the one thing I like is when you build a show like a match, least to most, and that's pretty much what you got. You know, the last two matches just, I'm sure it, before the audience filed out of there, when that show was over, a lot of people had to just sit down, catch their breath, because they had two matches back to back that just killed it. And, and uh, you know, I, the talent all worked hard throughout the show everybody doesn't have a, a story and that's a you know the biggest crime of all being on a pay-per-view without a story or a history just in a just in a cold match that you're just two people thrown together you know it's hard to go out and, and come behind a match that really does have a good story and has had a two-month build and, and there's some heat on the match and all that it's unfair to put them in a match after that is like a placeholder you know, there shouldn't be any placeholders on pay-per-views, if you ask me. I can't recommend this show enough, especially those two matches. Really, really good stuff. Next week, we'll be back with another hashtag Ask Arn Anything. If you want to join the conversation, just follow us on Twitter. It's easy and free to ask your question to Arn. It's at The Arn Show on Twitter. One more time, that's at The Arn Show. Until next time, I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad, and we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on Arn. I've been telling you for a long time that SaveWithConrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. Hello. Good morning, Josh. This is Dave Sobel with Save With Conrad. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. So what made you come to Save With Conrad in the first place? Uh, having listened to the podcast for a while, refinancing our home had been something that you know we had kind of thought about before in the past, but just never kind of pulled the trigger on. And then I said, you know what, I, uh, I listened to the man's podcast enough. Uh, what, what hurt could it do to uh, see exactly what Conrad and his team could do for us? And it's one thing I'm glad we did. Oh, man, us too. Um, now, I see here that you worked with Derek on your refinance. How was it working with Derek and the team? Uh, Derek and the team were absolutely great. Uh, they answered my questions quickly. You know, we're very forthright with everything, very quick to respond and uh, just made the entire process painless. Wonderful, wonderful. How much money was Save With Conrad able to save you? We had 22 years left on a 30-year mortgage. 
Uh, we also had uh, two car loans that we were paying on. So uh, through this process, we knocked uh, we knocked down from the 22 years we had left to a 15-year refi, and uh, we uh, got enough money on top of that to pay off one of the car loans. So not only did we save seven years of paying mortgage payments, but our monthly payments between what we were paying on the mortgage plus the car loan that we paid off, the money stayed the same. So our, our money out at the end of the month stayed the same, but uh, like I said, we saved seven years of mortgage payments. Man, congratulations, dude, that's awesome. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you can skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.